Let me tell you what I think is going to be on the moon cube. Okay, tell us about the moon cube. They're gonna there's there's gonna be an inscription in an ancient undecipherable alien language. Yeah, it says Hamverbot. No, they're gonna they're gonna send it. They're gonna send it. They're gonna put it through like the biggest Bitcoin cryptographic machine in the world to decrypt it, and it's gonna come out the other side and it's gonna say, "Be sure to drink your Ovaltine." Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. An excellent piece of viral marketing. Definitely worth yes. the setup, as always, for one of your That's jokes. Right. That's right. We're here talking about a sport uh, 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 which leads normal, sane, healthy... Well, I won't, I won't call Daniel Ricciardo normal, but uh, yeah. sane, healthy men to drink out of shoes. Uh, we're here with Victoria Scott for a bonus. We got you back yes. for, a, for a looser sort of um, framework to talk about Formula One. I can just ship post freely, which is really my natural habitat. So this yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So we have here this beautiful image, this tableau of Daniel Ricardo drinking out of his shoe, a thing yeah. which he insists is a normal thing for him to be doing, and yes. Valtteri Bottas staring at him. <laughs> that is that is a face of a man <laughs> who has seen some things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's a guy who, who watched a child get torn apart by mortars <laughs> somewhere near Mogadishu. That's just how Finns are, man. There's a permanent, like, Credence Clearwater revival going on. Sound of Hueys. Yeah, absolutely. I liked um, when, uh, I liked when uh, Patrick Stewart uh, had the shoey also. That was that was a good one. I would like yeah. to shout out to my friend Steph Schrader, who competes in the Twenty Four Hours of Lemons, which is a shitbox five hundred dollar car uh, competition, and uh, she has drank out of a shoe in mm. celebration of blowing up her Porsche, which is oh. just like the most baller ass shit I can imagine. <laughs> so it's the thing is the thing about motorsports that just before we get into this is that it's cooler the less money you spend, which is why I have zero respect for F one. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, the, yeah. the note that, that I put in here is, if horse racing is the sport of kings, then Formula One is the sport of billionaire fail sons. And yeah. we're going to talk about how it got that way and what brings us to watching an Australian man drink out of his shoe. Uh, so, next slide, how please. How did it come to this? How did it come <laughs> to this? And the answer is, well, most That looks better. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> yeah. it's cheaper. It's cheaper and it's dumber. Because this is uh this is at one of those big uh one of those Roman like uh circus matches. This is actually, this things, is actually right? the last scene out of Ben Hur, yeah. Yeah, Commodus used to drive the Model T out there, absolutely. My favorite part of this image is that uh they have license plates on the cars. So they, <laughs> they drove here on public roads with them and they were like, Let's play polo. <laughs> yeah, this is this is car polo at Coney Island. Um and Sort of, we gave you a potted history of early car racing on the Group B episode, if you remember that. If you don't, go back and listen because it was fun. But the short version is that, like, as you may be able to tell by the fact that these are registered, car racing all used to be on public roads because that's where the roads were, and it was insanely dangerous. Um, you could just be, you know, driving along, bringing, you know, bringing your box of sex dildos to market or whatever, and you get mm -hmm. wiped the fuck out by some like Mille Melia motherfucker <laughs> uh, who's like slid across four lanes uh, and just like entirely <laughs> destroyed your your body. Um, there's there's a great video of the uh, 1956 Le Mans, I think, which is uh, taken with a film camera strapped to a Jaguar. Uh, tube frame prototype of them practicing for Le Mans 
when they hadn't closed the roads down yet. Good. So it's literally just a Jaguar ripping past Volkswagen Beetles and bicyclists at 130 miles an hour. Yes. And that is basically what they did for most of the history of racing. Yes. But the cars only weigh like 20 pounds, so you're yeah, fine. Yes, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the corporals are actually. You're, you're driving to market and the car just dashes itself to pieces against your rear fender. Exactly. And it's like it, it, they, get up, they get up to 135 miles an hour with a five horsepower motor. <laughs> <laughs> so there is this sort of gradual process of change that accelerates after World War II, where people begin to realize that, as is written on the tickets, motorsport is a dangerous activity, right? Mm -hmm. And so racing on public roads tends to be sort of broadly uh, becomes more illegal at this point. Um, and th there's two ways around this. The way around it, number one, is you just race anyway and say you're not racing, which is rallying <laughs> and things of that slips. nature. Yeah, exactly. Do we um, have a deja vu initial D soundboard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you just you just lie. Uh, that's the Chad move. The Virgin move is you obey the law and you uh, start to do high speed racing on purpose built tracks or on closed off roads, um, and that's sort of the world that Formula One inhabits. Um, Simply take the Heritage Run in Newfoundland at four in the morning. Yes. Also that. <laughs> Yeah, yes. it'll turn any car into a rally car. I don't think it existed <laughs> at this point. Shut up. <laughs> I, I cannot uh, speak publicly about what I did in those Aston Martins they gave me recently. But <laughs> um, I drove the this, F1 edition. This is a, uh -huh. this is a speed I cannot say on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love to obey all most ring laws. Uh, next Part slide, you, please. Alice. Thank yeah. you. So track racing, right? A fine example of which is seen here as a guy launches into Send Me a Kiss by Wire, having been thrown from his open top car. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my baby. You know the songs about sexting, by the way? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's about, it's about having a... I am a, so hard. Stop. Yeah, it's about having a long-distance relationship via Telegram. I have uh, to add that to my slut wave playlist. Did <laughs> <laughs> you just bring in some ragtime? Sure. Yeah. So, Formula One is in this sort of loose family of racing that you might call open wheel, right? And we have some beautiful examples of some open wheels here. Uh, in this case, this car has one fewer of them than it should. Um, Basically, this is a shorthand for there's no requirement for this car to bear any resemblance to a car you can drive on the road. And that's also, the Also, there's no fenders. Yes. Yeah. Fenders yeah. add weight. Mm -hmm. You get pure speed, but like... If the wheel is open, though, doesn't it add more drag? It does to an extent. Uh, the thing is, is it encourages, and I could be wrong about the origin of this, but in the modern era, open wheel racing is generally considered cleaner. Because like if you have fenders, you can like and do old BTCC worse. style like banging and rubbing yeah, like this car, you know, cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, like yeah. the stuff that makes racing oh. entertaining happens when you put fenders over the wheels. <laughs> just, we we got to make this as boring as possible. I'm so sorry to anybody who likes F1. There are there are journalists I respect greatly who love this sport, and I just cannot get into Fuck it. Off, so better. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up I grew up rooting for Jeff Gordon before I knew I was gay. So like that's my backstory on this. <laughs> 
so Formula One is like, as we say, it's a world of difference away from touring cars or NASCAR, where like you have to have something that looks like a car, right? However much it isn't underneath, even if it's just like a, a polycarbonate frame in the shape of a car over some fucking like go-kart thing, it has to resemble a car. Formula One has no such pressure, never has. Uh, and so this is this world that we're inhabiting of like uh, a lot of aerodynamicism, uh, no fenders, a lot of the time no windshields. These are sort of a, a newer invention. Um, no concessions to anything other than speed and handling. Um, but if you're doing that, then you have to ensure some kind of fairness, right? You can't just have everybody show up with a different thing. Um, and in the Group B episode in Rallying, what they did with that was was homologation, was you have to make a certain number of these cars. Obviously, you can't do that with these. So instead, what you have... Unless, of course, you're... Uh, who was it that just simply lied about... Uh, Lancia. Yeah, Lancia. Yeah. Lancia built the S4, and they were like, we have 200 of them here, and also 200 in this other parking lot. At the lot. other factory. It yeah, was yeah, like yeah. three days before yeah. you go take a look just at the other ones. Driving around in circles. Um, <laughs> so, so in order to ensure this uh, this kind of fairness, you have to have a set of like technical requirements that all the cars have to meet to race. Uh, and collectively, this is called a formula, right? Um, and let me just say that this has been sort of fast and loose throughout the adaptation of Formula <laughs> One. Like, a, a lot of this stuff was invented prior to having any sort of like systematized uh, measurements going on. Sometimes it was literally just it has to be able to drive with this wooden board stuck underneath the car. They would do a vibe check. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, uh, the one other thing I might add to, just like before we get too deeply into it, is like hmm. this is this whole era of uh closed tracks versus open tracks and you know road racing versus um you know these purpose-built circuit racing kind of this whole split is why you see such a difference between american and european racing at this era because in the 40s when they started moving to closed courses for american drivers we got nascar which was ex bootleggers legitimately you know driving around sand that's daytona beach like that's why daytona is there is because they were literally racing around on the groomed sand of the beach. Yeah, for um, when and you want to turn in one direction. So it kept this it kept this egalitarian vibe though, where it was like anyone can compete. You can come from any background and race. And then in Europe, it was this is a sport now for rich men. And I think that's kind of a oh, difference oh, in between our car cultures mm-hmm. um, that I've noticed since I've talked to people, you know, who are car enthusiasts in Europe. Oh yeah, Maybe. absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some of the like class markers of Formula One too. Oh, but like, yeah, I figured, but I just wanted to note that because I have to. I have to, even though NASCAR is boring as shit now because they changed the cars. Yeah, right, I still that. love it. Yeah, a lot of these guys driving are, the, are like aristocrats. Uh, in particular, a lot of them uh, after the Second World War are fighter pilots by like by training by profession, uh, who have found that this is like a transferable skill that they have. Yeah, the most base profession. That's yes. right. That's right. <laughs> so obviously, like you have this formula. Formula One isn't the only one. It's just the most successful one. There's a billion formulas. You can go and watch Formula Two, Three, Formula E, Formula Fucking Super, Formula Renault, whatever. IndyCar. Uh, exactly. IndyCar. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, look, it's they're standardized and they're open wheel. That's true. There's a lot of snobbery towards IndyCar uh, from uh, like F1 people, and it's okay. But well, to I'm be fair, I have it from uh, NASCAR. 
Have you ever watched an IndyCar race in person? <laughs> yes. It's a religious experience at a road course, I should say. I've never been to an oval track for IndyCar, but I watched uh, IndyCars at Mid-Ohio. And watching those things corner was like, ooh, I'm feeling things. Mm. So the fact that Formula One is the most successful formula, the fact that it's this international brand, is largely a marketing job, right? Uh, on the one hand, like, partially it is because it's the fastest thing out there, but it became so, uh, at, at largely as sort of this marketing exercise. Isn't 24 Hours of Le Mans faster? Is it Le Mans? I think, Le, I think Le, lap Le times, no. It's Le, Le Mans. Mans. And, yeah. well, I mean, I'm it, saying that, I'm not French, I don't yeah. know. No, I, just I, was say Le Mans I was correcting him. I because say Le Mans his, because his I want pronunciation makes me want to die. <laughs> because I want men in the auto industry to take me seriously. Twenty-four uh, hours no. of the men. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my gender-affirming clinic. <laughs> yeah, um, we do. We do. We do surgeries one day a year, but we do them nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want the endurance surgical team. <laughs> A guy with a fucking like rivet gun comes at me. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I, get, I go in for FFS finally, and just some guy with a Dremel, like with huge bags under his eyes, like it's a whole, it's a whole pit crew. Yeah, the last thing you see before the Anastasia scene is a guy putting the like stop go board out in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I, I it's so fast you don't even Victoria. need anesthetic. <laughs> okay. We're allowed to joke about this because I want FFS. Anyway, right. continue. We're gonna, we're gonna get through this. We're gonna get through this together. This is a, this is already like bonus episode madness here. So the way the way a Formula One series works is it's run over a whole year, right? And the original format of going to race at a track is like a race meeting, a race weekend. Everybody brings their cars on a trailer, you race for, you know, one or two days, and the guy who does best gets a big prize, but in French. It was a Grand Prix, right? Oh, oui, oui. That's what, that's what a Grand Prix is, it's a big prize. Um, uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's a big pricks. Once again. Also true. Also true. <laughs> he receives a big penis. Um, and the Formula God, One season changed careers. <laughs> the, for, the Formula One season links together a varying by year series of Grand Prix. Uh, so you have you have like a race weekend in uh, say Spa, and then you have another in Monza, and then you have another in you know Austria, or Watkins Glen, or Laguna Seca, or wherever. Mm -hmm. uh, Saudi Arabia now. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. get to that. Um, <laughs> and the way, the way in which you score Formula One is it's uh, it's two simultaneous points based championships, right? You have one for the drivers seen here doing the ragtime. Uh, you know, send me a kiss by wire. The other next slide, please, is for the constructors. And a constructor is like a team that fields a car, right? Um, and there's there's two kinds of teams, more or less, right? There's works teams uh, who are like mostly a car manufacturer first, so Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, Mercedes, McLaren. Right? Yeah, and then yeah. you have what are called privateers, and those are much more interesting 
because uh, it costs a lot of money to run a Formula One team, like hundreds of millions a year, easily, and not necessarily the low hundreds either. Um, and so if you don't have that financially successful car builder propping it up like Mercedes or Ferrari, right, that's willing to spend all of that money because it's a drop in the ocean to them for prestige reasons, then what you're left with is this picture. One very, very angry man with a <laughs> cell phone. Uh, this is Gunter Steiner. He's the um, uh, the team principal for Haas. Uh, <laughs> who is who is left? Awards, uh, I don't the uh, damnedest team. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and so, what his job is to be on his cell phone all the time, trying to beg, borrow, steal, cajole, bribe from every billionaire he can get to take yeah. his calls, right? Um, and that could be, you know, rich people who could be fucking selling anything. They could be selling energy drinks. They could be. Uh, oh, oh. Hmm. Speaking of which, uh, just to just to wholesomely boost my friend's work, uh, hmm. my friends Alanis King and uh, Elizabeth Blackstock are writing a book called about the Rich Energy F1 team, hmm. which is oh, that's gonna be fucking exciting. hilarious, and oh. they have done incredibly good work on reporting about this absolute like. Tesla vaporware dream of a team. <laughs> um, so uh, they're not paying me. I just genuinely am super excited to read this book. Well, to their work <laughs> That's sure. all I wanted to say. <laughs> so, so these these privateer teams have to have some kind of like moneyed interest outside of car makers, right? Uh, like Gene Haas, the guy who founded Haas, is like did like fucking automation things. You can get like a CNC machine from him. Um, the guy who's currently funding Haas, uh, who we'll get to, is like a a, a Siberian mining oligarch. Um, well, boy, howdy, that sounds on the up and up. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what about uh, what about Elsid Barrett? <laughs> Elsid Barrett. Elsid Barrett. Yeah, huh? Barrett's privateers. Oh god. oh god damn, damn you, man. <laughs> oh, I wish I was in Sherbrooke. Oh, that was my, that was my <laughs> podcast. It's over. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a communist, but a summary execution for us. Yeah, now I'm a good communist. It, it, it used to be... It- it used to be kind of cheaper to run uh, a Formula One team, so it didn't have to used to be billionaires. You could just be an ordinary, regular, working Joe millionaire. Um, yes. So, for instance, um, if you if you wanted to run like a team run by aristocrats, you could do that. Uh, if you wanted, if sometimes it was a racing driver themselves who had made good, like Brabham. Um, someone who was, uh, someone who had uh, cruised the seas for American gold. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you know how that song goes, but he was not very successful. No, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he loses his legs, dude. Like that's not that's not me mocking the disabled. I'm just saying, like 1700s Canada, you lose your legs. Things are not going to end well for you. So, privateer teams used to have this reputation as being kind of like outsiders and being sort of more working class. I mean, like the name even, like it suggests that they are piratical in nature. They assemble these cars out of parts, they get like crated engines and, you know, they they put them together and the result is you have something that theoretically very cheaply you can humiliate a Ferrari or a Mercedes with. They're, they're They're not piratical though, because they're privateers, they have a letter of mark. 
That's true. Yeah. I hate you so much. <laughs> I, I love you. This is this is no longer the case. Now that Formula One is, has become more expensive for a variety of reasons, um, it's now this, it, particularly privateer teams, are this sort of billionaire toy set. Um, and billionaires, as, as we've mentioned before on this show, are absolute freaks. I mean, yes. they're not normal people in the slightest. And so they usually take a big personal interest and they usually try and micromanage and they usually try and like raise their cell phone guy, like Gunther Steiner's blood pressure a lot by threatening to take away all of the money if they don't win. This is very, very dangerous or, for him. Or, in the yeah. case of Haas, hmm. Uh, if you don't let my shitty ass yes. son drive, yes. Yeah. then yes. you don't get to have an F1 team. I'm just going to say, we have, we have a Mazepin slide later, but... Oh, thank God. Okay, I know. But basically, I just, this, I is, this is not a... Yeah, this is This is a phenomenon that we're going to have to talk about, and we may as well talk about it now, which is like... Multiple billionaires have now been like, you have to let my awful son drive your Formula One car. Um, this includes Lance Stroll, by the way. A lot of people will tell you that, like, oh, he doesn't count as a fail son because he's not a bad driver, but get fucked, he is. He's only in there for money. Um, the, the, okay, if I can take a, an extremely spicy take, hmm. Lewis Hamilton is one of the only people in the current field I respect. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, as a human being. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, what? I know, me too. I just, is oh, that, that doesn't taste yeah. good going down. <laughs> yeah, there's not, a, not, a, not one that tastes good going down, yeah. Um, I mean, you know. the man has morals. He doesn't yep. give a shit what anybody thinks of him. He's completely dripped out constantly, which I have to respect as a trans woman. Like that's that's <laughs> saying saying somebody is constantly dripped out is the highest praise I can give. Uh, also, he he's genuinely an incredible driver, and his family is like semi-wealthy because he had to do carding and stuff, but they're not, like, psychopath rich. Yeah, absolutely. He just got a spot because he was so fucking good you couldn't ignore him. Like, this is a sport that is dripping, like, just soaking wet with racism. And as a black man, he still has dominated the sport because he's that fucking good. And also, I mean, Mercedes makes great F1 cars, granted, whatever. He's still fucking incredible. So... Everybody oh, else, yeah. I have, I have ranging from no opinion to like Mazapin. I have like the most negative opinion of like I, I hope I meet him in person so I can tell him what I think of him. <laughs> uh, <sighs> but like it, it, Hamilton is fucking god tier. Anyway, that's well, my he little. Shows spiel. up and he's like, "Well, I'm the only professional here," and then just wins every race. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. By, by, <laughs> by means of having a small amount of professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> Bear in mind, this is like nothing new. Formula it used to be worse. Like Formula One drivers used to show up drunk. Uh, James Hunt <laughs> used to like have fucking like uh, you know a three martini lunch before getting in the car. Um, James Hunt. James Hunt would get roadhead in the middle of an F one event. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like they also used to have to drive that, to and from the their own crew? events. <laughs> 
There's, there's a story. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to use that gun on your God, <laughs> that is a that is a fucking career I would have been meant for if only I was born there's, sooner. We Jesus. call this gun the throat goat. <laughs> there's a story about the Argentine driver uh, Juan Manuel Fangio, right? Where he's like, I, he says, I only crashed twice in my career, and both of those times it was from sleep deprivation because I had to drive from France to Italy to get from one Grand Prix to another. And I got out of my regular car into my Formula One car <laughs> on no sleep, having been up for about three days and drove it into a wall. So, yeah, no, it's it's insanely dangerous. And it's more so when you add someone like Nikita Mazepin, but he is he's a future slide. Um, also, even if you're a Ferrari, even if you're Mercedes, you still need a shit ton of huge sponsors, which is why all of the cars are covered in logos. It's why Mercedes is like AMG Mercedes Patronus, um, and, and so on and so on and so on. Um, also, a lot of these sponsors used to be tobacco companies because it was the last place it was legal for them to advertise. Yeah, the Hell girl yeah. Days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing is, I genuinely believe, and this is empirically false, but I still believe it anyway, that a car, that a Formula One car with a tobacco livery on it goes faster. It does. <laughs> it does, yeah. As, it's as that, them bad, and like Martini and Rossi, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a bad transsexual that smokes cigarettes, I, I can def- definitively say that the coolest fucking car is one with a cigarette livery on it. Or beer. Like you ever yeah. seen the old Miller Lite, Rusty Wallace NASCAR cars? Hell yeah! That thing was a yeah. fucking Taurus, and it looked bad as shit. Like <laughs> that was some, that was a good car. Well, to, to me, and if, if you're the same age as me, I suspect this is also true of you. If you if I ask you to picture Formula One car, you are picturing uh, a red Ferrari with a big Marlboro logo yeah. on the wheels. Yep. I have a one twelfth scale uh, Mini Champs model of Senna's Marlboro Honda. And it's the coolest thing ever. Like, I'm going to make it a centerpiece in my new place because it just goes hard. I don't even smoke Marlboros, but they they made a good livery. Coward. They figured that out. <laughs> I do. I smoke American Spirits because I'm a hipster piece do. of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also the Williams ones had, uh, had Rothman sponsorship. And then when they started banning it in some jurisdictions, but not others, they had to, like, censor them. So instead of just blacking them out, they replaced those logos with R? Question mark. Uh, which, which I liked a lot. It's like, I don't know, this cigarette's the damn joker. You figure it out. Yep. <laughs> no, that's the Riddler, Alice. Ah, oh, yeah. fuck! Excuse yep. me. You got your, I, you got your, ba- you got your Batman villains wrong. That's How true. Could you? That's true. Can I get the next slide? Yes. So, so Formula One as it currently stands, I should have had a Saudi slide instead of a Qatar slide here, but what can you do? Um, so Formula One as it currently stands is a, a decadent, depraved institution that lets the rapist son of a Russian oligarch spin a hundred million dollar car around on a baking half finished track built by slaves. Uh, it's also a Netflix sitcom. Uh, it's also a series of money laundering schemes. Uh, reputation laundering, corruption, physical abuse, sexual harassment, corruption, uh, corruption, and most of all, corruption. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you, could, you could go into, like, you know, a multiple-hour podcast about how Formula One got this way like an idiot, or you could simply say this is what happens when you let Europeans run anything. Bastards. They're, they're like way up there with like the International Olympic Committee in terms of like just just genuinely awful people. Pure just some, some corruption. Of the, yeah, some of the some of the worst people you can think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they they it's one of the last bastions of like that old fashioned European racism too. 
Um, oh, yeah. You know. Oh, have you never been to a soccer game? <laughs> I was going to say old fashioned. I've read some British yes. headlines lately. Yeah. I think that's still pretty new. <laughs> well, my favorite thing. My favorite thing about Formula One is that much like international football, it will virtue signal. And so, uh, Formula One has an equality campaign, which is uh, hashtag We Race as One. Oh boy! Uh, which um, is part of doing which stuff is as one. incredibly funny because I can't attend like a third of the events on their calendar because my existence <laughs> is illegal in those countries. But we race as one because the, yeah. like, yeah, uh, this is this is partly because Lewis Hamilton embarrassed them by vocally supporting Black Lives Matter. Uh, and, yeah. And also, him. yes. Can't believe I uh, just said that sentence. No, genuinely. Yeah, well, he's no, the I best. He's the I best know dude. what he is! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, uh, God, I'm just gonna like shout out all my friends who I've ever worked yeah, with go here. For it. I'm sorry uh, again. Also, like, I don't get paid. Hazel Southwell for the drive does really good F1 coverage where she talks about like this bullshit. Mm. Uh, I really like her work. She's one of the only reporters on this who actually delves into it, and she still goes to those countries despite the fact that she's queer. So, yeah. kudos to her because I am not that brave. <laughs> but this it gets to this sort of weird thing where you can drive a car with like a a pride flag on it around in in Qatar because it's a sort of complicated process of reputation laundering on both sides. Yeah, it's sports washing. Yeah, it, it's an easy way to make your country look like a, a progressive country and a real country, and you know, a country that gets things done. And look at this track we built in three days, and and things of this nature. Listen, you uh, can support them, just don't bring them over here. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is basically policy, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, next slide, please. Because this is sort of table hey, what's stakes. The, what's, the, uh, what's the etiquette on getting a beer in the middle of a bonus Absolutely episode? get a beer oh, in the yeah, middle of the bonus oh, episode. Hell yeah. Yeah. Great, thank you. So that's, that's just me setting out the sort of table stakes here, really. Uh, this, this is what Formula One is, that's what it's like. Um, I'm wondering if I should if I if I should like pause and we can cut this or good um, question. We can pause. Yeah, we'll just pause. Just pause. Talk about I I don't want to like make myself a cocktail or anything, but talk about yeah. butts. Right, butts. I have labeled I have helpfully labeled this car as being a car. That's true. Yes. Dark so. Souls font beer retrieved. <laughs> All right. So we have we've set out our table stakes for what Formula One is, and now we're going to talk about how it got that way. Um, and so we're way back in the early days here. This is like 1950s, um, and Formula One starts out with this sort of like extension of pre-war racing cars. This is an Alfa Romeo, uh, bits of which were like quite literally salvaged out of factories that we bombed during the war. Um, Good for that, man. Yeah, I absolutely. Guess. Absolutely. There's, I guess. <laughs> you'll note that there is absolutely no concession to like safety or even reliability. I like um, the old fashioned, like really long uh engine compartment, the hood. You know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, I think I think we need to bring that back. I think we need really long engines. I think that should be a whole category of how you win points in F one, actually. 
I mean, um, not to brag, but I've made a trans girl reviewing phallic cars a thing, so I'm completely <laughs> down for this. So far, I have the Dodge Viper RT10 and the Jaguar E-Type. I'm always looking for more. If you have a dick-shaped car, please hit me up on Twitter.com. <laughs> but not if you have a car-shaped dick. That would be weird. Um, so, in the, in the 50s, right, the, we've already identified the, um, the preeminent thing here, which is they're all front-engined. Um, and F1 cars have not been like that for a long time. Um, but that was like the logical way to lay out a car, is you have the guy at the back, you have a big long uh, penis-shaped engine out in front, and then you just throw this thing around the track and like two-thirds of the people who get in it just die instantly. I think it'd be fun to get one of these cars, one of these really light, tiny cars, and shove a uh, EMD 645 20-cylinder diesel in there. <laughs> just see what happens. Oh, at the Top Gear episode with the Brutus. Using that old BMW uh, V16 plane engine. Are, are you aware of the Jay Leno tank car? The yes. what? He has the a tank Jay car. The Jay Leno tank car. <laughs> He has, it's called the Blastoline Special. I only know this because it was in Gran Turismo 4 as a bonus car you won for doing the <laughs> stupid little challenges. Um, it is a custom-built, like, F1-looking hot rod thing that has a tank engine in it. Huh. It's nice. a Well, actually, it's a Greyhound bus diesel motor, but it's basically what you describe, and it's, according to Gran Turismo completely undrivable, which makes it really mm -hmm. fun. Jay Leno... <laughs> That's Jay, my aside. <laughs> Jay, Jay Leno's cars are too cool for Jay Leno. Um, That's no, true. see, here's the thing. I'm like one degree of separation away from Jay Leno, and everybody I know who's talked to him has said he's really cool. I don't care. I don't it's like his stand-up that much, but he seems cool. his cars for the people. No, because uh, he drives wanna, them. That's a thing. I, wanna, I, wanna, I respect I wanna, that. I want to see the double steam car. That he has, mm. that'd be fucking cool. Yeah, just give give his cars to us. Give well, Jay Leno, give us your cars. Oh yeah, it'd be Justin Rosniak's garage. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what happens is that like um, it, you have this sort of like very fluid racing scene at this point, and then Mercedes suicide bombs track racing, uh, and I I almost put in an image of like the Giga Chad here because what they do. Is they introduce this this supercar, the W196, which is like this technological marvel. It's very over-engineered. Um, it has like controllable valves, it has direct fuel injection, it's made out of magnesium, which is super light, and there's not gonna be any problems with this. Um <laughs> it dominates a few races, and then the plot of our Le Mans disaster episode happens. Yes. Because the this exact same car in like a slightly different configuration just fucking decapitates a bunch of people, catches fire, uh, and Mercedes just leaves motorsport for the next what forty years? I would like to point out in the notes here, Alice, it says it doesn't say decapitate, it says yeah, decaffeinate. Yeah, I said it decaffeinated yeah. a bunch of people. Uh, yeah. Uh, which is which is you well, would have, did that too. Yeah, you would yeah. have a lot less caffeine in your body if you had been decaffeinated by uh, like the hood of a Mercedes. Yes. Um, so Mercedes just like creates this supercar, refuses to elaborate further, leaves. Um but this has sort of seismic effects on Formula One because it sets the whole format into okay. the The point of this, the deal of this uh, motorsport event, is to chase new technology at all costs. 
And Formula One is like this test bed for the motorsport industry. A motorsport in- for the motoring industry, if you like. We built the first car that is also an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, next slide, please, because now we enter the 1960s. Mm. Uh, that is a good car. It's a sexy car. As, a, as an automotive journalist, I'm contractually required to, uh, to mention that that is a good car. Mm. All cars should look like that. <laughs> and this is this is a mid-engined car. Um, in that the guy has the engine block pressing directly on his shoulders here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is this is faster. It's significantly faster, in fact. But the downside is that if this guy breaks too hard, he just gets squished by by an engine block. Well, yeah. the other thing too. Can I can I go into a little bit of the dynamics Always. of handling here? Always. Okay, cool. Um, a front-engine car is going to be prone to... You're going to understeer until you get on the throttle, and then the rear end will step out. Um, but you have all this weight up front, so your weight balance is going to be off. And so when you put it, when you stomp on the brakes, shifts all the weight forward, you have it all sitting on your front wheels, and then you want to understeer. So the only way to kind of cancel that out is to floor it and hope that the rear end steps out. With a mid-engine car, the weight is all behind you, so you have like a 60-40 rear-biased weight split. And so you can push it into a corner and brake, and the rear end will step out a little bit. And then you can get on the throttle and then step it out more as you go through the corner, which is, in theory, faster and also more likely to kill you because it's way easier to fuck up. And then once the weight of the car is like too far gone, you can't correct it with counter-steer anymore, then you go backwards into a wall and die. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's more dangerous, but faster. I'm only saying this because I got an MR2 to borrow this week. And I have nice. been incredibly close to, well, no, I'm not going to say that on a uh, recorded <laughs> video because it's not my car. Uh, I've never been close to spitting it out. It's not that it, the, all no, the weight is behind it's, me. It's, it's yeah. totally fine. And the thing yeah. about it is it's incredibly safe. It's um, incredibly safe. The MR2s are literally known for snap oversteer, which is a mid-engine car characteristic where you... You push the rear end out, and then you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going too far. And you let off the throttle, and then it goes further, because it snaps all the weight around in the car, and you literally just die. So, it's great until you make a mistake, and then you die. (laughs) Yeah, Formula One, this is the point at which Formula One goes from killing quite a lot of people to a lot of people. uh, Because... Like this pursuit of technology means the cars get faster and faster, and you're cornering faster and faster too. Um, and the result is, yeah, a lot of guys just go into walls. Um, it, it's, st- stuff isn't made of magnesium so much; it's mostly like aluminium at this point. But even so, you just have like a giant fuel tank that just explodes. Yeah, the the thing that's critical to understand, kind of the before after period of automotive safety, is like for racing at least is pre-fuel cell and post-fuel cell mm-hmm. because it used to be if you crashed and your fuel tank exploded then you were dead of in the most horrifying way possible and now with fuel cells that's less of the case because yeah, you, you either you like control yeah. fire you either you either die when you and the car are burnt to a crisp or you are pulled out wearing no fireproof clothing and die like a month later in hospital yeah. it sucks there is no good reason to be a racing driver at this point but people keep doing it I mean, it's a cool, um, glorious way to die, right? Uh, I guess so. Um, so anyone, did anyone ever try the red-green method of making a mid-engine car? What's which that? You just, you just add more car on the front. 
<laughs> I think I think that's the thing we the, have to the, do. The secret big F one doesn't want you to know. We, we have to we have to be- become a Formula One constructor and enter some kind of like monstrosity. This is uh, this is uh, this is a fancy Italian mid-engine junker. <laughs> this is this is sort of the golden age or the first golden age of privateers, though, because a lot of uh, like in particular British teams with no resources are able to absolutely humiliate, in particular Ferrari. And Enzo Ferrari gets very very sore about this. Uh, he he coins this word for the English guys who keep beating him. He calls them garagistas, like <laughs> gu- a guy who works in like a, in a shed. Is just building this car that somehow goes faster than a Ferrari. I do think privateers also had a golden age in the uh, 18th century. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely, man, I don't. Okay, we got, we got, we got, we got to introduce a subplot here, and this is also how I feel. Next slide, please. This is uh, God Emperor, a benevolent tyrant. uh, It's Bernie. Sports dictator. It's it's Bernie. It's Bernie. It's Bernie. The guy. The guy who would have beat Trump. Um, <laughs> Bernie Eccleston, um, who is uh, just for the record, before we talk about anything, hmm. I was just checking the quote. Uh, Bernie Ecclestone says Hitler was a man who got things done. So this is the kind of person we're dealing with. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Objectively I, true, but uh, I, I, don't say no, it out no loud. Good things. No, no, he good lost. Things. Hitler lost. <laughs> yeah, but that's a thing too. A lot well, of things happened true. under Hitler. If the, thi- if the thing you're getting done is getting your ass kicked by the Soviets, then yeah, Hitler did a lot of things. <laughs> I guess. Well, I mean, you can't you can't say you can't say Hitler was all bad. He did kill Hitler. That's right. <laughs> he also, yeah, but then he also killed the guy who killed Hitler. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> so. Does an Ouroboros of suicide in the Fuhrer bunker? <laughs> I feel like the thing that the thing that best describes Bernie Eccleston is the George W. Bush quote: uh, "Dictatorship would be pretty good so long as I'm the dictator." Um, yes, this is this is the man who has like ruled Formula One as his kingdom since the eighties, um, but you know probably earlier actually. But uh, he's also the person who made it into the sort of commercial titan that it is today. He also made it into all of the bad things that it is today. Um, <laughs> it, he's the classic drunk driving gets a lot of people to work on time, so it's impossible <laughs> to say if it's good or bad or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, just a tremendously, uh, let's say, striking figure. Uh, very divisive, uh, very abrasive and confrontational. Uh, but what happens here is we have what's called the Pfizer-Foker War. Uh, Pfizer, which is uh, not the not your booster shot, but the subcommittee of the Fédération Internationale d'Automobile, or whatever. We talked about this on Group B. It's like the the, the fancy French dipshits. Um, oh, oui, oui. In fact, we specifically talked about even bigger piece of shit, Jean-Michel Balestre, uh, who is the head of Pfizer at this point? Um, so he he kind of like tries to run all motorsport, including rallying and Formula One, as his like personal kingdom. And there arises a backlash to this in Formula One uh, from FOCA, the Formula One Constructors Association, which is uh, you remember that Jacobin thing that was like, uh, is Tom Brady a worker? Yes. Well, yes. Uh, 
I'm, I'm going to do the same Christ. thing here, which is like, if you want to badly annoy a, a sort of a leftist motorsport person, you say, what, is, was FOCA a union at any oh point? Oh my god. Because, yeah, because, it's because, working. Because, yeah, because FOCA was this, the idea of it was that they would have uh, constructors, they would have teams be able to collectively bargain against the overweening central authority of Jean-Michel Dubastar, or whatever. Um, for why, right? Well, two reasons. One is this alleged bias against privateers. Like, all of these European guys are all in one big club together, and if uh, fucking Enzo Ferrari wants a rule change, he calls a noted Nazi collaborator, Jean-Michel Balestre, and says, hey, uh, change the rules, and he does that. Um, once again, uh, biased in favor of formal navies. Um, <laughs> 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 the, the, other, the other big complaint that like drives uh, teams into the arms of FOCA is inconsistent rule application and inconsistent punishments for violations of those rules, which when you think about Formula One now, is hysterical. Mm. <laughs> Holding. Five-yard mm. penalty. <laughs> Offense. <laughs> <laughs> Automatic so it's not real. First death. <laughs> <laughs> I I have I have a, a little vignette here uh, from the way that Pfizer administered their rules. Right, um, the Formula One rules specified that any car must weigh at least five hundred and eighty-five kilograms in order to be in compliance. But the method of testing was somewhat haphazard. Teams would be told that they would be weight checked when they entered the, exited the pits during practice or qualifying. This gave the teams ample opportunity to add weight to their cars in order to pass the test. Formula, uh, Formula One driver Eddie Cheever claimed that in 1981, when his Terrell was tagged for a weight check and qualifying, the team took off the racing rear wing, which was made of fiberglass, and replaced it with a weight check rear wing, which he believed was made mostly of lead. Before <laughs> 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 Before allowing him to proceed to the scale, Shiva said that it took four men to lift the weight check rear wing, and with it installed, the car was largely undrivable. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's if they don't catch you, it's not cheating. Well, that's, that's how right. NASCAR works. Cheat, that's why I try. respect. That's how I respect NASCAR is because everyone knows that NASCAR is full of cheaters, and everybody's like, "Fuck yeah!" If you don't get caught, it doesn't count. <laughs> Whereas everyone, yeah. they raise a moral panic about it. It's like, oh, they cheated. Oh, it doesn't. It's no. You know what? Fucking steroid juice the cars. I don't care. I just want to be entertained. God damn it! Every every Formula One team is a pack of cheats and liars. But the thing is that they're all hypocrites about it, and they all love to run to the mods about this. They love to run to the officials and go, uh, "Actually, this is uh, five eighths of an inch too wide. Uh, you know, this isn't made of precisely the right kind of fiberglass." Uh, yeah. Please, please have my opponent killed. Can uh, I also note, just before we move on from the Bernie theme, that the predecessor of Bernie was Max Mosley? Yes. Uh, the same guy who came from Sir Oswald Mosley, who was yeah, Nazi a fascist. Orgy Max yeah. Mosley. Yes. The only person I will ever kink shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was on the uh, I was on the Drexel Formula SAE team, right? You know, mm -hmm. the, we, the car we, into a wall. I did not crash the car into a wall. I crashed the car into a plastic jersey oh. barrier. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we would. Um, you know, this was uh, you know, 
definitely when you uh, uh when you're when you're there at tech you know everyone's everyone's fucking cheating in some way or another <laughs> we just happened to be pretty effective at it at the time or at least uh, our, our our vice president just would come in and have every single tool he could bring in order to ensure the damn car passed tech any any issue that the the officials had would be fixed on the spot and he'd say all right fuck it <laughs> <laughs> yeah f1 teams are also fucking pious yeah. is the thing that annoys me um, and it's, yeah, I, I don't know, it's so fucking cynical. Anyway, um... You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's the damn truth. That's right, that's right. Um, so... Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> two things sort of become introduced during, uh, during the 60s and 70s. Uh, next slide, please. These are, aerodynamics is discovered. Uh, I don't believe in that. <laughs> and consequently, it, Formula One cars start to look more like what you think a Formula oh, you mean, One you car mean these, looks like. These planes back here, I see. Yeah, the that, planes. That, yeah, those are aerodynamic. <laughs> the other thing is driver aids. Uh, like it, it, this is this is something that will eventually culminate in DRS, which is sort of a win button. Um, but like you can now like from the cockpit of a Formula One car control uh, certain things about like you know fuel mixture things like that um, where you were, you previously weren't able to um, and we have a great example of 1970s Formula One innovation here. This is a Brabham BT 46B, but it's known to everyone as the fan car because the sucker it's- car. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it gives well, it's the big suck. Yeah, I would like it noted for the record that an American developed this and ran it in Le Mans and uh, a bunch of endurance racing, and then F one was like, "Oh, that's a good idea. We should steal that before they outlaw it." Mm. <laughs> um, but it was it was already from Americans. Jim Hall invented it for Chaparral, and uh, Le Mans was like that was hey, that was the one that looked like just a big rectangle right yes it was a yeah. big wedge <laughs> and it just sucked the earth down so it literally i i am reading from the wikipedia page now admittedly but uh it had side skirts that basically scraped the ground and it had an enormous fan that just spit air out the back so it could produce downforce of 1.5 g when the car was fully loaded so you didn't have to brake ever it was it was like a it was like a snowmobile engine, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. SCCA saw this thing run and it broke down a bunch because I mean they're running fans that you know are sucking up rocks and shit that are, it's then spitting out at cars behind it, and they the were like an extra no, engine, no. And then eight years later, the Brabham came out. Yes. So uh, th- I'm just saying, like you know, I I know that all these Europeans with their fancy little formula cars are trying their best here, but uh, <laughs> Jim Hall was doing this shit back in like the late '60s. So, so Brabham steal this in the '70s. Also, and, uh, hmm. can we can we add slides to the sh- to the uh, show after we've recorded? Probably, but can we, yeah, can we just, just can we just stick, yeah, I can do that. Can we just stick at Imogen because. This was his first attempt at downforce, and this is why he was on some king shit. This was the Chaparral uh, 2F. Yes. Yep. And it's literally just like, what if we built a formula car and then we glued a giant wing to it, the top of it? <laughs> and so I'm just, I know the one you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> I just want to mention that Jim Hall is cool as fuck. That's all I'm getting at here, okay? <laughs> we can continue now. <laughs> so th- this thing is, as, as we said, it's like it's speed racer shit. Like it, it sucks itself down onto the track, and so it corners extremely fast. It's incredibly entertaining to watch. 
Uh, it's, you know, okay, fine, maybe it shoots rocks out of people, but, like, it's still, it's pretty practical, like, it works. Um, and so, th- therefore, because it was fun to watch, it was immediately banned. Um, so, the- it's, uh, uh, much like the Israelis uh, can't stand having racks thrown at them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Hamas oh, car. Uh, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. So, yeah, you thought you wouldn't get cancelled on this episode. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> so, th- there was this question of whether they should appeal this ban, uh, and they decided not to because Bernie Eccleston owned Bravan. That was like his in to Formula One. And if they won too hard, then it would basically it would collapse Foker. And hand the whole thing back to Jean-Michel Balestre. So he took the like the L on this one on purpose. Uh, and Formula One is a <laughs> more boring sport bastard. for it. Yeah. Oh, this is this is totally his like his his way of doing things. We also because I'm going here from basically my structure here was which pictures of Formula One cars do I think are cool? So next Wait, slide, why, please. Why would it collapse Foca though? I'm I'm a little bit confused here because yeah. he's trying to build this like uh, union of of Formula One constructors, right? Uh, and as such, if he uses the like pull that he has to ensure that his team fucking wins all the time, oh, then I see. Everybody yeah, else, corrupt. everybody yeah. else is going to go. Well, okay. If we're just switching one kind of corruption to another, which is what they did, why the hell wouldn't we keep the like French Nazi collaborator kind of corruption? Uh, right, Italians. <laughs> All right, let me get the next one. This is a uh, more wheels. Yes, more wheels. More wheels. It's a it's a Terrell P thirty four, the second yeah, best the generation of one car of the seventies. <laughs> Uh, I Alice. I love this thing. Yes, I like May the I? sponsor here. First National City tra- Travelers Checks. It sounds very Midwestern. Mm. <laughs> Alice, we're, here at the, we're here at the Dayton Grand Prix. Uh, <laughs> they all call it Grand Prix. <laughs> That's what I call it. <laughs> um, uh, just for the record, the reason this car exists is because the F1 regulations at the time called for the called for a regulation on the total surface area of the front tire that could contact the pavement. But it didn't mention how many of those you could have. So they were like, what if we doubled it? And it actually kind of worked. The thing is, is like F1 cars in the 70s were piles of shit. So they routinely broke down, and I'm pretty sure that happened to this car a bunch. But I have oh, a yeah. Hot Wheels of it, and it's just like the—it's the coolest thing that ever existed. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things you like look at it, and you're like, "Cool job, Hot Wheels! You came up with a fun car." And then you Google it, and you're like, "What the absolute fuck?" <laughs> and that's the best way to get into motorsports as like a child. So for that reason alone, this is the best car ever made. Oh yeah. Now this was an extremely entertaining and practical invention, so it was immediately banned. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see a pattern begin to form with the way that Formula One approaches technology? It's it's incredible because you know if they hadn't banned all this shit, what we would have F one would be like wacky races. Yes, right. You know, and that'd be fantastic. You know, I instead would... we have all the cars are the same. 
Um, <laughs> would would the wacky races come with that girl who got tied up all the time? Because I could have Good a career. God, Penelope Pitstop, absolutely. Yes, that's <laughs> her. Oh my god! <laughs> you so for, Formula One likes technological improvements, but only when they're boring. Um, that's that's my. Roz. That's my thesis here. If like the thing is, Formula One is basically controlled by a cabal of guys who like to go on the computer and go, "Oh well, this slight curvature of wing shape is 0.34 percent faster around this corner than this slight curvature of wing thing." And it's like all of these guys would eliminate the driver if they could as a weight saving. Um, yes, or like you know, fucking cut one of their legs off or something. They don't need like. They can work two pedals with one leg, it's fine. Um, everybody has to be this sort of perfect telemetric robot. Um, and at this point, F1 doesn't even like safety innovations. Like, they're barely putting, like, catch fencing up. It's a, like, in the 80s, when, when Gilles Villeneuve gets killed, it's because he's thrown out of his car, and he's, like, he's caught on the fencing. And that was new. Before that, it was just like, yeah, you just go over, you just land on a guy. Hope you don't kill a marshal when you land on him. <laughs> but which did happen oh absolutely that happened they killed so many marshals doing this um that there was a guy that was I, I forget exactly how this happened but the whole thing was caught on video where they like th this car uh, broke down and caught fire marshall runs across the track with a fire extinguisher gets hit by a formula one car marshall is instantly is is jibbed right he's dead um and his his fire extinguisher hits the driver in the head and kills him also Joseph oh my fucking god <laughs> Yeah. Swiss racing driver who died in 1971. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, the, the most tragic part of the whole thing is that, uh, like, it, it, nobody was wearing fireproof suits then either. So even if they had made it across the track with the fire extinguisher, he probably still would have died. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I read the, um, the memoir of uh, Sid Watkins, who was like Formula One's essentially like fight doctor for basically his entire life. Uh, he was sort of this Bernie Eccleston crony, but he also made sort of numerous um, uh, improvements here, including having a medical car, which is like another just uh, thing that's cool. Is just you just have an extremely <clears throat> fast. Uh, like touring car with a shitload of like doctors in it, and you get out and they do neurosurgery by the side of the track. Um, but even so, like at this point, um, Formula One is insanely dangerous, um, and we get like the biggest, most traumatic safety thing next. Uh, next oh, slide, sorry, please. that was Tom hmm. Price. I uh, apologize. Okay. Joseph Air was the one who died when. Uh... His car caught on fire and he died of smoke in inhalation because no one could put the car out. Fuck that. Uh, I mean, that's, that's an astronaut death right they there. Took, yeah. They took three fire extinguishers to the crash and none of them worked and he died of smoke inhalation. Mm. And so, so he died. Yeah. Wasn't there like an issue with like, uh, there was like ethanol based fuel and you couldn't see the fire? I don't know if that was ever a thing in Formula One, but it's definitely. I've seen ethanol fires in like pits where you just see a bunch of guys like flailing around and you're just well, like, hey, you, what's going on over there? Alice, you have not seen ethanol files. Uh, yeah, I have, I have oh, not seen an ethanol fire. They're, in, they're invisible, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks, Roz. 
we we gotta we gotta bring bring the tone down a little bit here because we're going to go to the next slide in 1994. Oh boy, um, where we had a sort of a double event, uh, Ayrton Senna, the who is really the golden boy of Formula One. He was this uh, like universally beloved Brazilian yes. driver. Uh, yes. And like th- th- this is like uh, I-, I don't know if I can think of a comparison for the sort of role that Ayrton Senna was playing at the time of his death, um, but he was kind of like the face of Formula One, um, and just in- interpersonally like so well regarded and so well beloved that like uh, you know every other driver respected him, which is insane because all of these guys are psychopaths and they all hate each other. They all have like fifty-year grudges because one of them, you know, cut them up doing go karting or something. Yeah. Um, and yet somehow, uh, th- this guy is tremendously popular. And then in 1994, um, at the San Marino Grand Prix. Uh, the, I want to say Austrian driver Roland Ratzenberger crashes, dies, um, and then Senna is very upset by this, and he knows it's dangerous, goes out anyway, uh, and the car essentially like does not steer, and he gets horribly killed in a very very public sort of way. The basically NASCAR's equivalent, or the NASCAR equivalent is uh, Earnhardt dying on the turn. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. If you, absolutely. If, if you, for some reason, a listen to this podcast and b only watch NASCAR, I guess. But yeah, mm. that's, there's probably I, people who watch this I'm podcast sure and only are. watch NASCAR. It's it was in the same way that I felt. You know, I wasn't conscious of Senna dying because I was tail. I was conscious of Earnhardt dying, and there was just nothing for it. The sport's never been the same. Yeah. yeah. The the most fucked up thing I can claim about my life is that uh, I saw it. I watched every NASCAR race, and I was yep. Four years old, I think. Yep. And I remember a lot of people saw Ayrton Senna die too. Yeah, like that yeah. was. I mean, was that was a year like before the... I was born. But yes, mm. yeah. it was like the Christian Eriksen football thing. It was like the cameras really did not cut away from that. No. And I think you could you could like see him in what was left of the car afterwards. You could see him getting like medical attention by the side of the road. But he was essentially he was killed instantly. Um, but in this sort of very cruel way, where the safety the safety aspects had gotten good enough that like you don't burn to death because that's obvious, right? Um, no, you die in far worse ways. Yeah, you die mm-hmm. of like internal decapitation or something. Uh, so you know you, you you just die of like the sort of massive deceleration. Um, you know you get like a, a spinal fracture or something like that, and it kind of looks to to all the world like you're okay. Um, like they lift you out of the car, and you're just like, "Well, it doesn't look that bad. Like it's just fine." Uh, and yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, and this is like one of the this this sort of huge, huge trauma to the sport, right? Was uh was was Senna dying? And it was something that spurred a lot more improvements. It's something that like that's also a, a cultural difference between Formula One and something like NASCAR is. When NASCAR starts bringing in safety improvements, a lot of drivers are like, yeah, I don't want to do that, I'm not gay. Uh, wh- <laughs> <laughs> why the fuck would I want to wear a neck brace to look at dudes? Um, whereas in Formula One, it's very much sort of like, ground up, like there was this sort of like, uh, this upswell of like, demands from drivers for more uh, more safety improvements. Well, and that, that 
call for safety what goes back to the seventies when um when people were burning to death like every season. Mm-hmm. Uh Nikki Lauda, who was the big name in the sport at the time, he's the subject of um Rush, which is a really good movie. Oh, yeah. um, but Played he by Daniel almost, Brule, who I will watch in anything. Yeah, and uh, he almost burned to death the Nurburgring, which is a track that they've no longer raced for decades because it was incredibly dangerous. People kept dying there because their cars would catch on fire when they slammed off of the barriers that were right next to the road, and there was no safety cars because they couldn't get to them in time because the track is like eight, I don't know, ten miles long or something. It's it's mm-hmm. a long track. Um. So there had been a call for it starting there, and I don't think it really got serious until Senna died, because you basically took your sports greatest superstar and wiped them out in an instant. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. everybody That's got to very, see it live. That's a very good point, yeah. 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 And as, as cold as it is to say, like, no one gave a shit when it was just nobody who was dying. Like, there were people right. who died in their second F1 race, and, you know, whatever, who gives a shit? Yeah. Which is incredibly cold, but, I mean, F1 has always been completely unethical so yeah i mean like uh, jackie stewart was the other big driver uh, along with senna who like really pushed for this stuff and like at the time when when stewart was racing like the chances of a driver who raced for five years being killed were uh two out of three jesus fuck you really had to have, have a death wish in order to drive in formula one um, and and that's something that isn't true anymore. Um, and this this has spurred sort of like two kinds of reactions. One from sane people who are like, "That's good. I don't want to see uh, Lewis Hamilton get fucking uh, like uh, have his brain turned into soup in front of me." And then. Uh, the kind of people who wear like Porsche design polo shirts and comment on F1 forums who go, ah, oh, Formula One is gay now. Uh, Brits. Because- <laughs> yes. Yes. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is. Because, like, I mean, uh, if we're talking about racing drivers, uh, Sterling Moss. Uh, essentially says, oh yeah, like, I mean, he hasn't raced in, in, in 50 years or something, but it, it says, oh, all of this shit is, like, emasculating. Um, and it's like, it's, it's not entertaining anymore, and, you know, risk is part of the calculus when, when you're driving in Formula One, so it should be dangerous. Um, and it's like, I, I don't think many people would accept that but enough would that it's like it's really grisly like i mean here's the thing if you want to watch people die racing go to a local uh you know three-eighths mile dirt track and go mm-hmm. watch 410 sprints and if you go there for a few years you'll see somebody die and mm-hmm. see how enjoyable that is it's not like that i think that's a thing is, that that people really misunderstand about motorsports is like yeah f1 drivers are the best paid athletes on earth um, it it wasn't that they were well paid that they were doing this. There are just some types of people who will seek out like death wish level racing, mm. uh, and it's up to you to decide if you'd like to watch them die in front of you for your amusement. And yeah. you can do that, and people will do it for almost free in front of you watching like dirt track racing. I don't think anyone thinks that's a good thing. Even even at, like like sprint racing is not a culturally advanced form of motorsport. No offense to sprint fans, I am no. one, but like, I'm not <laughs> no. going. To, I'm I'm planning coverage to do some sprint 
you know, races uh, for stories next year, and I'm not going without a chaperone. Oh, let like, me know if you want me to come. If you're around oh, York fuck, County, yes, I do. York County, <laughs> Pennsylvania, hit me up. I'll come with you. Oh, Pens- fuck yeah, that'd be Pennsylvania perfect. Secret Service detail. I need yes. I need a white cishet man to come yeah, with me. Yeah, don't worry. I got a camo car hard hoodie. I'm way ahead. Of oh, you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, people die doing that, and they do it for pennies. They don't make any money on it, and it's a huge tragedy, and the whole community's sad. And F1, like, despite the fact that it's still brainworms, rich people kind of thing. The drivers themselves all kind of had a similar sense of community. They all hated each other, but like a death oh, was yeah. a pretty big deal. Um, so like, it's really, really fucked up when people are just like, yeah, I think it's great when people die for my amusement. Um, mm. you gotta have that, like, do that g- for you. That gladiatorial sort of thing. And yeah, it's like, I mean, you need, a, you need to strike a balance, you know, which is I want to see the car crash. I don't, don't want to see someone die. Which that's case, why you watch your, modern go, NASCAR. Go. Yeah. <laughs> or you go to your local county fair and go see a demolition derby. Oh, demolition derby is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hell so, yeah. I haven't seen one of those in ages. So so there's basically four big safety improvements. One is, as Victoria mentioned, fuel cells, so the car doesn't just explode and you don't just burn up. Um, Another is like having dedicated runoff areas, like a lot of sand, a lot of tires, a lot of shit that you can run into that isn't just a concrete wall. Um, Another is... Uh, well, fireproofing, wearing fucking like Nomex coveralls and gloves and shit. Um, and the other is like big smelly fire suit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the other one is is like some method of like uh, physical intervention on the car itself. That can be the like the the hands device, which is like the neck brace thing that stops you from shattering your entire spine if you decelerate from two hundred to nothing in like a fraction of a second. Um, Or there's the newest one, which. I will evangelize for, but like a lot of people get very got very upset about, uh, which was the Halo device. Um, and the Halo devices, I, I should have put a picture in here. Really, um, it's it's sort of like this metal frame that goes over the uh, the cockpit of the car. And a lot of people got very upset with this aesthetically because they thought it compromised the idea of like open wheel racing. Right? It's like you're getting closer and closer to like a closed car. Um, it looks ugly as sin, like it, it looks ridiculous. Um, and then Lewis Hamilton nearly uh, got his he- uh, got his head crushed by one of Max Verstappen's tires, uh, but for the Halo device. And so that, I think that won a lot of people over. I, I'm not sure when the when the change was made, but I know Dan Weldon was one of the ones that um, that pushed it for IndyCar. They have Halos now too, I think. Mm-hmm. And Dan Weldon went uh, head first into the catch fence mm-hmm. and died yeah, like Villeneuve. really, yeah. really vibrantly on national television. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started putting halos in indie cars shortly after, I think. Yeah. Some of it's also track design too. Like uh, you mentioned, the Nurburgring and Nicky Lauda. Like some of these, some of these uh, tracks, like are not safe. Um, no. Spa in particular used to be like. Uh, up until I want to say 2019, there was a, a French driver who died there because they had this one corner that just had absolutely like nothing there, just like right angle of like metal fences. Um, and it's like, yeah, no, if you go into that, you just die. And that someone was, did. Uh, that was uh, Antoine Hubert. 
That sounds it was, right, it was but I'm not sure. Three. Um, he was 22 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's uh, a lot of the a lot of the uh, the street courses are like that, right? Like Monaco. Mm. Like um, they shouldn't be doing a Grand Prix in Monaco. You can't no. change my mind. It's also boring uh. as shit. Have you ever watched Monaco from beginning to end? It sucks. It's mm-hmm. so fucking boring. It's literally just <laughs> like. It's like billionaire pedophile playground with <laughs> no entertaining racing. They all just go there because they've got the fucking That's Lolita Monica, Express. Maybe. That's the only time I can like potentially see Kimi Raikkonen win, though. That's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> the the only worthwhile thing for the Monaco Grand Prix to me is the uh, five minutes of Schumacher in like ascending to a higher state of being. There, you can watch that on YouTube. He like becomes a futurist project where he melds with the car. That's mm-hmm. quite fun. Um, uh, that was pretty much any time Schumacher drove a car. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Like he he had better drives, but like that that's the one that sticks in my head. Is it's Monica. the same thing with it's the same thing with Hamilton though too. It's like it, he, are you saying better drives in terms of races or car? Because Ferrari was also really good then. In terms of in terms of his driving. Oh, sorry. Okay, I thought you meant car because I was like, yeah, he was the best person in the best car. That's why Hamilton hmm. is so cool. Sorry, that's my. I'm gonna keep evangelizing for Hamilton the whole fucking episode. No, no, me too. I think, um, uh, I think uh, uh, street circuits, like, in general, are, are very funny because some of them are stupid one-offs. Like, so I would remember, I think this may have been IndyCar, not F1, the Baltimore street circuit. No. Which had I a do. railroad crossing. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just fucking just run the trains through it. It's an old school. Do you remember the, uh, the Grand Prix of Cleveland? Oh God! <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio—the place that Grand Prix are famously held. Yes. The, the, the city by the land. Yes. <laughs> Mashed potatoes, the city. Um, next slide, please, because I think we—I think now is the time to talk about Schumacher. I think we must now talk about uh, mm-hmm. ed- racing dynasties and like unassailable Germans and and things of that nature. Um, because this is, we're into like the 90s and the noughties now, this is the time when I was growing up watching Formula One, uh, and it was the time when Formula One became this sort of like huge, huge commercial phenomenon, um, in large part thanks to Bernie Eccleston and his relentless pursuit of deals. Uh, deals are his art form. Mr. As, Damn uh, Deals. Yeah, exactly. And so th- th- this is the point where Formula One gets like an official water, or you could buy like a Michael Schumacher lunchbox, uh, or something like that. And it's where it becomes like televised at normal people hours, so you don't have to stay up until 3am to watch it. Um, yeah, Schumacher won a bunch. And then the thing about, I think the thing that's the most telling about kind of F1 as a mindset and just race car drivers in general is that uh, Schumacher, it, I think he's still in a coma, right? Yeah, well, no. he's. He, no one really he's, knows, right? Uh, he's, he sort of really jealously guards his privacy. But if, you, if you're not familiar, um, after he retired, he made sort of an attempted comeback, then retired again permanently. He had this horrible and just absolutely like Final Destination esque skiing accident yes, where he like yes. he landed wrong and he hit his head on like uh, like a six inch tall rock, right? And this guy yeah. who had you know been driving at 200 miles an hour for you know 20 years. Uh, instantly uh, in in a coma, and so like I believe he's out of it now, but I think he is in a sort of a state of living that is uh, 
profoundly um, hindered. Yeah, and I th- the, the, yeah. The, the main point from this is just that there is a type of mindset that's like, fuck risk. I want to go mm-hmm. do this because it's cool. And those are generally the best drivers. And that's why so many of them ended up killing themselves. And so many of them, like, don't die peaceful deaths, I feel sure. like. Uh, sure. He was also, he's also like one of the best drivers to ever live, for sure. But, um, but the thing is, just, if you watch the documentary about, about Schumacher with like some of his family, he says, uh, his wife says, um, he, he kind of didn't feel like going skiing that day, and he was like, "Why don't we go to Dubai so I can jump out of a helicopter instead?" <laughs> that, that's that's Michael Schumacher's perception oh of risk. Is is like, yeah, no, I, sh- I and, and that's the thing. That's why it feels so strange and why it feels so like humiliating and like undignified. Is that it's such a small thing. It's such a petty thing to like uh, to be so injured by. And it's something that, like, it seems like it should happen to normal people. Like, guy falls wrong and, like, cracks his head. That's the way, like, someone you know dies. It's not the way someone you know from this having been relentlessly promoted to you as, like, the fastest man in the world dies. I mean, he pretty much was, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't even promoted. He was just a good fucking driver. Oh, sure, um, but the thing is that, like, unlike, say, Juan Manuel Fangio, right, like, th- you knew that he was the fastest person in the world because, because the TV would tell you so, um, and you could buy, like, fucking, like, magazines and shit, and you could see, like, interviews with him and stuff. Yeah, um, I, I'm just saying, like, I think that that whole appetite for risk is just fundamentally broken in a top motorsports driver's brain. Like, mm. That's why people did this. That's why everybody was dying in the 70s and there were still no shortage of F1 drivers trying to break into the top levels of the sport is because there's something wrong yeah. with their brains. V- various kinds of uh, Teutonic psychopaths like Nicky Lauda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Better to channel them into cars, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what will this Austrian boy who's a disappointment to his family do? Oh, Formula One racing. <laughs> It's really a jobs program. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I think about this sometimes. Is that like uh, you know who a lot of uh, like by occupation? Uh, what what occupation has a lot of psychopaths in it? Is firefighters because that kind of like calculus of risk, that kind of like need for adrenaline. Uh, is is very very like rewarding. That's a that's a sort of a positive way that you can be a psychopath is to think that okay, it's yeah, it's actually normal for me to like jump into this burning building. Um, and I I feel pretty similarly about Formula One. <laughs> I mean, I was like, you know, what would be really easy would be if I transitioned and then became an automotive journalist. So uh, there's something wrong with me too. So fuck it, I get it. <laughs> what if what if I transitioned, didn't do any voice therapy, and then did two or three uh, podcasts where oh, I exclusively like my use my voice? Yeah, this is um, my, like my fifth podcast without any voice training, and I'm just like, fuck it, raw sound, dog reality. Better than Let's I go do. for it, uh, oh, please. So, so the thing the thing about Schumacher, right, is that like. He was an incredible driver, but he was an incredible driver at a point where uh, this sort of like confluence of um, uh, technological advances and uh, like driver recruitment was such that he was so good that it wasn't close. Like it was a difficult time to be to be in Formula One and be British because what are you supposed to care about, Damon Hill? 
fuck off. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, you have to watch this Williams way back in the fucking, uh, like, middle pack while Schumacher is, like, robotically <laughs> taking turns at 170 <laughs> miles an hour. <laughs> it's like, he, he was the only game in town, and it made Formula One, at times, very boring to watch. Um, not least because they didn't have the sort of like camera work that they have now. Um, so if you watched like uh, a Grand Prix on TV, you were stuck with Murray Walker and a camera on Michael Schumacher's shoulder for several hours. And you better hope that you enjoy that view of Michael Schumacher's shoulder because you're not seeing any other cars. However, the, the cars of this era did sound better than pretty much any other car ever built. Oh, oh absolutely. It was purely sexual i could listen i could fall asleep <laughs> to the sounds of f1 cars from the early 2000s S sounded better mm -hmm. looked better um yeah no um but but schumacher did retire in the end and this this paved the way for like uh this sort of new opening, right? Like, okay, now that now that the king is retired uh maybe we can have a little bit more sort of combat, a little bit more sort of interchange, but a little bit more overtaking. Next slide, please. That didn't happen because Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there was that like really brief window where Red Bull looked like they were going to win forever, right? Yeah, that's true. I, that it, was, was like, uh, it was like, it was like 09 what, what, to 14 or something. Christian Horner sewing. Ha ha, this fucking rules. Love this shit. Christian Horner reaping. Why is Toto Wolf bullying me specifically? <laughs> um, yeah, I remember like, Vettel uh, was, was like, like a, hot shit. Yeah, Vettel was, that was when I started watching was when Vettel was hot shit. Yeah, it was yeah. like a, you know, it was, um, it was, it was all of a sudden it was like, okay, yeah, there's this one guy and he's going to mm. win everything. And then it turned out it was the other guy who was going to win everything. The other guy who was going to win everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vessel was like the anointed successor, too. Schumacher was like, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then this guy, Lewis Hamilton, shows up and he's fucking quick. I mean, he's fast. And it turns out that he's fast in pretty much anything. But if you put him in a Mercedes, um, and the cars that Mercedes were developing in the nine, in the in the 2010s, uh, well, on the one hand, you you get to this point where uh, you have to say, oh, this is incredible, like technological and like um, uh, you know, sporting prowess. On the other, it's boring as fuck to watch. I yeah hmm. yeah. This is why I don't watch F1. Yeah, it's like, it's like hard to watch now. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. to be fair, this season is apparently very close. Um, yeah, the, I after, wouldn't after, know because I Saudi, don't care. After Saudi, Verstappen and Hamilton are on equal points. Uh, but the thing is, good luck fucking watching it anywhere unless you want to pay £5,000 a second. Um, it, Formula One is now only accessible, like, it's become so prestige that it's only accessible in the form of tweets or a Netflix series. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I, I enjoy Formula One in the form of I consume no news about it until that year's Drive to Survive comes out, and then mm. I watch that. Well, you know, you um, can pirate it, um, actually. Mm, <laughs> I guess find a find a totally legal live stream. Yeah, but still, <laughs> that's actually you, kind of hard to do. Yeah, yeah. Look, because I tried. You, you not, try, and not, Bernie Eccleston not, comes to your house and shoots you with a gun. It's actually not piracy; it's privateering. Um, 
God damn it. Does, does anyone else want to start a podcast with me and Liam? Yes. Hi. <laughs> so we have the, we have Lewis Hamilton's car here, and I mean, just look at this fucking thing, man. It's it's five hundred feet long. It's made in entirely in AutoCAD. It's it's a, a yacht that goes stupid fast, and it weighs two kilograms. Like, uh, it also sounds like shit. Sounds like shit. And we have, of course, driver aids have come into their own with DRS, which I wanted to come up with a, a funny name for that acronym, but I couldn't think of one. Um, uh, dick reduction surgery. <laughs> yeah, driver Durs. reduction surgery. We make the driver slightly smaller. Um, <laughs> Isn't that horse what? racing? To bring it full circle. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what DRS is, is uh, it, it changes the shape of the rear wing, sort of in flight, as it were, and that allows you to uh, obtain more power at specified bits of the course so that you can overtake, right? It's not more... Well, they have two systems. So there's hmm. DRS, which is drag reduction system, which is it changes the shape of the wing to give you less drag on the straightaways, which also makes the rear end of the car like more prone to lifting up. But they also have CARES, which is, I think they still have this, I don't even know. Oh yeah, but the kinetic, kinetic energy regenerative yes, system. Which is yes, a hybrid yeah. braking system. It literally recovers power upon braking, stores it in a battery pack, and then it gives you a boost of like, I don't know, 30 horsepower or something on a straightaway. So you deploy those two, I think. I don't know if mm -hmm. they use them both at once or what the specific rules are, but... Well, the the it, intent was to make Formula it's One more pushed tactical. To it's yes. pushed to pass. Yes. What is the? Uh, I, I I can't even understand the drivetrain of these cars now because presumably then you have some kind of hub motor in there, right? And, uh, or or I guess I, I don't know. I don't know because if you if you're recovering kinetic energy from braking, then there must be some kind of electric motor in there somewhere. I, I, I think the it's curves a unit is like. I think the whole curves unit occupies sort of like wheel hub space. Mm. Um, and so they just have four of them. But yeah, it, it, this was all supposed to make F1 more tactical. And so you could like listen in on pit wall communications and you could hear them say, okay, Lewis, push the win button. And you could hear mm -hmm. him go, okay, copy, I will push the win button. Watch yeah. him push the win button and then watch him win. Um, Holy fuck, it gives him 160 horsepower. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus well, Christ. Have, Ferrari has a version in their... Uh, they're street cars, right? Like, uh, obviously, yeah. Not, oh, yeah. lots yeah. of cars do, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. No, lots of do now, but I'm buses talking have some them. them. What'd you say? <laughs> buses have them. Uh, the, yeah, my the 2022 bus. Ford Maverick has it. God, not I would watch Formula Bus. I would love I would to watch, watch Formula, Formula Bus. bus. Formula I think we've just invented great. a new. Can we get a Formula Bus shirt? To be honest, yeah. Let me get a, let me get a Formula Bus. I'm gonna. I'm yeah, gonna, just like one of those old, old like city buses with a giant wing. Yes, the yeah, We're gonna make hashtag Gilligang mainstream. Yeah, I'm be laughed at when we say that to girls in bars. I'm gonna drive. I'm gonna drive the Gillig Phantom. <laughs> There's, th there I goes Rosniak and his, his Gillick Phantom. I will oh, say. He truly is unstoppable, yeah. even as he drinks and drives. No, I do, <laughs> you do have to stop and pick up passengers, though. <laughs> you think There's Rosniak screaming at an old woman to get on the bus faster, dipshit. <laughs> Step you think down! Step down! That's you think, you think me. DRS is stupid? Formula E, which is one of the electric events, has a boost that is tied to the number of social media interactions. No, 
driver gets before the race. Shut up. There's no way that's real. Alice, I'm about to punch my screen. If you don't, if you don't tell me that's fake and something you made up, yeah, that's, uh, it's it's called it's fan boost and it's no, it real. Isn't. No, it isn't. Shut up. Wow, because they outlawed no, real. That would fans. actually be tight if uh, it was a giant fan that spun faster, depending on how many interactions you got. Also, I would also, watch that. It, I think it may Someone be lift. I, you actually physically lift off the track, and unfortunately, are probably immediately killed. I, I think I think it is only likes, which is a shame because if it was just interactions, I could win Formula E. I, I get in the car, the pit guy hands me my phone, I type out the words, height is a choice, tweet, I win the race instantly. You go fast, you go you go faster the more cancelled you are. If, if Look, I got this. the ISS tweet frames. <laughs> If 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 it were a speed penalty for getting called they them though you'd never win. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do kind of want to talk about penalties a little bit because oh, that's you say pronouns. I was like, ooh, we're getting somewhere spicy. Yeah, I want to I want to talk yeah. about pronouns. Uh, oh, mine whoops. are the only good ones. Um, no, okay. So the thing I want to say about penalties is that like now they've gotten to an even more absurd level of like rules lawyering and you just get these sort of like incredibly foul tempered guys like Christian Horner who will just go like ah oh, i pushed on your wing a little bit and now it's now it's fucking out of regulation enjoy your five place penalty you little shit um and at every turn the formula 1 team who is victim of this goes uh, we consider this to be to be sportsmanship. Uh, I, I mean, gamesmanship. We consider that like a full uh, investigation will, you know, lead us to the facts. And then the next race, they do it back. Yes. There is no Formula college, One team you can feel good love, about. Yeah, yeah about supporting. Holding. holding. <laughs> Everything's holding. That's not a real penalty. And so, if, if you're not familiar, uh, next slide, please. Th this has led us to the unassailable reign of terror of Toto yes. Wolf, uh, seen here in transparency, looking at his son in whom he is well pleased. Uh, because Mercedes and, uh, and Red Bull will, like, fight for, like, third, basically. Hamilton yeah. wins, is the thing. Occasionally, Hamilton wins. Does that a lot. He's occasionally, occasionally, Valtteri Bottas will win when he like when someone from the pit wall goes, "Okay, Valtteri, you have to not win so Lewis can win." What, like one time in a hundred, he will go, "Fuck you, I will win this time," yeah. uh, and wins. But um, sometimes, sometimes Verstappen wins too, though. Once yeah, sometimes. You know, sometimes he does. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he he may actually win the uh, win the the championship this year, which uh, uh, I do not like. Max Verstappen is the thing. I I I I don't know why I have this kind of like F one driver level grudge against him, but I just don't. Um, and so I'm I'm happy when he loses. I'm glad when Mercedes wins because Mercedes winning for the five hundredth time is what you fucking hogs deserve. Uh, seethe, cope, get mad about <laughs> Lewis Hamilton being a bad driver because he isn't. Uh, yeah, you, you deserve you deserve all of your suffering if if the current state of affairs you upsets you. All of your suffering. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, you do. absolutely. You do. She is right. 
Yeah. And that's that's why we have this meme of like Hamverbot or Hambotver is because th this is the initials of like every every podium in Formula One. I have the little fucking chart there, and you'll notice Lewis Hamilton wins about eighty percent of his Grand Prix. <laughs> I like the uh, I like the uh, uh, Ramco uh, logo back here. That's oh, yeah. very nice. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Lewis Hamilton owns right, perhaps too much, and I think in some ways he's like ill served by how good his car is, and in particular how active his car is. Like the fact that it has DRS, the fact that it has Curzon, it means that I a mean, lot. Hmm. Everybody else does too. Like that is the thing. F one is more or less a level playing field especially this season mercedes is way ahead of the game for a long time there but i mean they're getting closer and hamilton's still the best driver so well, you, you still have this thing of like um uh, people going oh well you know you can put anybody in a mercedes and they'll be quick and uh, i i hmm. guarantee that they're full of shit uh have you ever seen any episode of any television show where a normal person tries to drive an f1 car <laughs> It literally, like, to a normal person, if I drove an F1 car, and I've driven some really fast stuff, I'm very lucky, uh, it would turn my internal organs to liquid just from pure G-forces. Like, Lewis Hamilton is in unbelievably good shape just to survive an entire race. You have race. to do, like, insane uh, like, kinds of workouts that have never been contemplated, where you're, like, li you're, like lifting 200 pounds with your neck. Because, like, that's yeah. the place where all of the fucking... Lewis Hamilton yeah. can do a crunch and create a black hole with his abs, is what I'm saying here. That was a, that was a Top Gear episode where they threw Jeremy Clarkson in an F1 car, and he was like, what the fuck? I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, he, he literally, he couldn't brake because he couldn't get enough heat in the tires to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. If they're, they're insanely robotically quick cars, and you also have to be, like, in the absolute physical peak of human ability to do it. So, the thing like is, everybody, Clarkson. what I'm people, saying here, people, people, like Clarkson, yes. but like, yeah. people who say that like <laughs> anybody would be quick in a Mercedes are like now pointing to to English twink George Russell. Okay, they, but what I'm saying here hmm. is they should continue to cope and seethe. Yes, because they absolutely. are unhappy that this incredibly rich white man dominated motorsport for the past infinity years is being won by a black man. It is yes. completely fucking obvious. You literally. I said something about Martin Brundle, who I still refuse to learn who the fuck he is, <laughs> and Megan the Stallion, who is a fucking goaded rapper from my hometown of Houston, and like she's way cooler than whoever the fuck Martin Brundle is. And every single reply I got that was telling me that I was a piece of shit was from some like, like fucking cheese curd looking white dude <laughs> in Britain. <laughs> With a, with a bio that was like, I hope all of the migrants drown in the channel, yeah. and also I hate trans people. Well, and it's, it's really like, funny. cool, it's, the yeah. Venn diagram of shit people and people who hate Lewis Hamilton happens to be a circle, so it's really easy for me to figure out who yeah. I shouldn't like here. Well, like, it's, it's really funny, right, the extent to which uh, people... Notably, do not treat Lewis Hamilton as a Lewis uh, as a Lewis as a living legend, right? Uh, yeah. He think about how few times he is Sir Lewis Hamilton, for that matter. Um, but like compared to Schumacher, who was making F one as boring to watch in his day, uh, oh, and yeah. who was as unassailable, was absolutely beloved by those same guys, even when he was like humiliating Damon Hill, right? Like. Yeah. 
It, it, there's, well, there's no sort of nationality thing here. It's pure spite. It's pure racism. Lewis is sometimes arrogant. That's one of the things that I love about him. See, yeah, I would here's be arrogant thing. too if I were arguably the best driver ever. Winning yeah. every yeah. And, and, and if I had never been given any of the respect that I have earned, I, I, I would absolutely be arrogant. And his arrogance is like exaggerated and racialized, but like, yeah, sometimes I think you do have to be that way, and I'm glad arrogance, that he is. It's earned. It's not arrogance if you're the literal best in the world at what you do. It's realism. You can say, like, Lewis Hamilton could say, I am the best goddamn driver of an F1 car to live. And currently, looking at the list of Formula One winners, he's correct. That's yes. not even arrogance. That's just truth. He has proper self-esteem. And that absolutely drives the worst people on earth crazy <laughs> because a guy who wasn't insanely stupid rich, who was bred from Nazis, who also is black, <laughs> happens to be the literal best at his job, which is like their whole thing because like only rich white men should be driving F1 cars. And all of a sudden, here comes somebody who isn't like, you know, Max Mosley. Who happens to be the literal best to ever live at doing it? Yeah, or Max Verstappen for that matter. Uh, yeah, which is why I love him because, like, not only is he the best, but he also is like does not ever give a fuck what anyone thinks, and it's cool as shit. My God, the man is. I do not give a shit about F one. I am the biggest goddamn Hamilton stand because he's cool <laughs> as hell. Not that oh Hamilton, God. the this, good one. This is the issue, though. The issue is that. As great as Hamilton is, it is boring to watch. You know, there is, there oh, yeah. is an yes. extent to which, you know, you, you uh, oh, F1's on today. I'm not going to wake up at eight in the morning to watch F1 anymore. I don't want to no. do that. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I, you know, let me, let me, let me go see something exciting like baseball. <laughs> I'm going to consume it through the medium of gifts after yeah, the race. Exactly, right? I, I watch my friends on Twitter just melt down while it's going on, and I'm like, hey, I'm on a date, and I'm happy right now. I don't have to care about this. I'm just going to laugh at their pain. I, I think Formula One is only fun to watch when they've literally not finished building the track, like in Saudi. Like, yeah. I think if you have to More do some battle. track mania shit, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If you have to build the track in front of them as they mm -hmm. go out of the pit, then yeah, absolutely. Oh, if you get like track mania as like a uh, uh, spectator sport, that'd be fucking great. Do real life track mania. I used to be really oh, yeah. good at track mania. I was, uh, mm. I think I was ranked third in the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia for a while. Jeez. Um, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Those days so, are behind me. <laughs> so I mean, also He's, uh, like taking a drag off his cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have to we have to talk about Netflix too because Netflix has been it, it has made a sort of a a deal between between two devils with Formula One in order to make the Netflix series Drive to Survive that has turned Formula One into a soap opera for better and worse. Um, on the one hand, this gives some sort of attention to like sort of middle ranked teams and drivers that might not be there, like people who aren't Mexican can care about Checo now, or like <laughs> you can. Sorry, Yeesh. but <laughs> sorry, but like, come on, uh, but like, yeah, I didn't say you were wrong. I just said. But at the same time, it also it does kind of like stir the pot a lot. And in order to have these sort of storylines, you have to have these blood feuds develop, and you have to develop these these storylines. So you have to confirm these things about, say, 
say for instance, take Valtteri Bottas, right? Uh, the the bot in Hambot there. Uh, Mercedes's uh, second fiddle, who they refuse to ever say is their second driver or their junior driver or anything like that, but whose job is sort of like widely perceived to be. Uh, it's sort of Lewis's tail gunner, right? Like he 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 takes Verstappen out at the knees so that Lewis can win. Um, that isn't true, but a lot of people believe it. Uh, and it got to the point where Netflix made this thing about how uh, Valtteri Bottas is like this sort of underappreciated in his team uh, sort of like tool. And I think it got to the point where he started believing it. And as a consequence of that, he's he left Mercedes to join Alfa Romeo. So I'm interested to see what happens next year with this. Well, I mean, you know, when you when you think about it, though, I, I, I mean, um, if if Bottas if, if Bottas is running blocker, I mean, he's Burt Reynolds to um, you know, Hamilton's uh, um, fucking truck I don't, driver guy, truck driver. <laughs> no guy. one remembers who that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, the snowman. <laughs> so, if the if, if the top is boring, right? What else is going on? What else can we laugh at? And I have my next and my final slide. It's our boy. It's the boy. It's Nikita Mazepin. Mazespin. Mazespin. So now I will say there is nobody on this podcast, or probably in ninety nine percent of the population, that could drive an F one car better than Lewis Hamilton. You couldn't keep up with him. He would lap you five times before you finished one lap. However, I am completely confident I could drive an F one car better than Nikita Mazespin. <laughs> because he fucking sucks at driving. So, My god, the bar is low. <laughs> we, we we talked about uh, Haas before. We mentioned Gunther Steiner, the very angry uh, like Italian-German man. Um, basically, what happened with Haas was Gene Haas pulled a lot of money out. They needed a lot more money than they had. And so they went to uh, the owner of a, a, a Siberian mining concern called Ural Kali and asked for a shitload of money. And he said, yeah, sure, if you let my shitty, awful, Joffrey Baratheon-looking-ass son <laughs> drive in your fucking Formula One car, it's all he's ever wanted. And the result is that they, they had to, they did this. And Nikita Mazepin has been this season's make-a-wish child. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. oh my god. God, he's, not wrong, but oh, he's just holy sort of shit, Alice. having a nice time. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, just for the record, uh, it's worth noting that on Instagram, on some story he posted, he's groping a woman. Yes, uh, literally, like recording himself committing sexual assault. And the response to this was nothing. He still has a seat. He still races cars, and like it's it, like. He is, like, take everything personal out of it. He is the worst driver probably to ever sit behind the wheel of an F1 car and make it through a whole season. He currently in this season has started 21 times. He has zero wins, zero poles, uh, zero podiums, and zero points. He is is the backmarker of backmarkers. He's 21st out of 20 drivers. If this was NASCAR, he would be a start and park. Like... And he'd be doing better because somebody yeah. would crash and let him move up. The dude would do better if he literally just stood next to the car and didn't drive it because somebody might have a mechanical failure and move him up the course. <laughs> he is the goddamn worst. So 
you take all of that and then you also add in the fact that, you know, he's a sexual abusing piece of shit. And yep. literally, it is hard for me to imagine a person I hate more. Like, we, what we if you invented more. a type yeah. of guy that I hated the most? And you end up with type of this like, egghead. <laughs> interpersonal thing, which is he's also, apart from videoing himself groping women on Instagram, he's also wildly homophobic, even by like Formula One car driver standards. Is he? Which is. Yeah, oh, which I didn't is know that. Which is another thing that makes a mockery of the fucking we races one thing. Um and he's well, also like he is Russian, so Yes. And he's yes. also notoriously bad tempered about losing, which is very fun that he does it so much. One of the <laughs> one of the things that he did earlier in his racing career was like deliberately run over the like second place marker at the end of the race because he was mad that he didn't win. He is Earth's biggest piece of shit. And he's not the only fail son in Formula One, because we also have Lance Stroll, who is a more competent <laughs> driver, but coincidentally, wildly coincidentally, impossible to say, the son of billionaire Canadian Lawrence Stroll, who is the part owner of Aston Martin, Red Bull, fucking Racing Point, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, no, who's to say, other than that, it's very, very funny that you can just get this this thing in F1, and now it won't even kill you anymore. The thing that's funny is that actually, if there is going to be a fatality in Formula One, it's probably going to be caused by this piece of shit because he is so bad at driving, he creates dangerous situations on the track. Yeah, like he's the, the he's biggest like the risk you have of at a this safety point. car. He's a danger yeah, car. He's a danger the, car. The, the biggest risk you have at this point is like car to car contact because it causes the cars to violently come apart. And also, you know, you can't like put an armco in the side of a McLaren or a Haas F1. You know, you can't make them safe to run into. And he's so shitty and cannot control a car that he just spins out in front of people constantly. And can't pass safely and can't let people pass. And he just, he would, it would, the whole world would be a better place if he just got his driver's license revoked and sat at home and <laughs> shut the fuck up. Do you need a driver's license to drive on a closed circuit? You do need a, a license from the FIA, which oh, they should I also see. revoke. Jean-Michel Bastard, your license. Yeah. So a, a fun fact I heard is that if you, um, in, in Pennsylvania, if you drive a bus, you need a driver's license. But if you drive a trolley bus or a trackless trolley, as we call them here, you do not technically need a driver's license because Formula it's a fixed trolley it's bus, a fixed guideway vehicle. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so so Just this imagining is... the old burnout revenge thing where you slam into the backs of cars yeah. and they go flying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making an extreme sport out of that. Yeah, burnout crashes back. Um, <laughs> they can't do shit to this you. Is... They can't put points on your license because you don't have one. <laughs> Race, racing drivers hate him. He discovered this one weird trick. Yeah, of, of driving a, an, an F1 car with a two trolley poles on top. That'd be fucking great. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch the shit out of that. <laughs> well, th this is this is the, the, the conclusion of the slides that I've written about at Formula One, but I'm sure we have more to say about it. So, do we have any thoughts? Any little sort of, like, things that I've missed about Formula One? Little closing thoughts, perhaps? But my head is completely empty. <laughs> at all times. No, I mean, F1 is... I have lots of friends that like it, I just can't get into it, because um, 
it's it's still at its core like rich men you know driving cars they can't bang into each other and i'd much rather watch nascar where they can oh yeah the most entertaining shit i've seen in motorsports on television in the past like two years was the charlotte roval with nascar which is holy shit we added a chicane to an oval track and no one can turn and then you just see a bunch of cars launching themselves through the air like guided missiles off of the curbing. And it's great because it's pure chaos. Like I wow. always used to watch, I used to love Infineon Watkins Glen at NASCAR when I was a kid because no one knew how to drive there and you could be very certain that people would crash without dying. Oh, they sure is did. The most I love fun. Watkins Glen. Oh my God, it's so good. We got to get you back on, Victoria, for a NASCAR bonus episode that Liam has to write, so I don't have to do the slides. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I, that one I'll help. I mean, I could probably help with because I watched, like, I've watched a handful of F one throughout my lifetime. My ex was super into the Schumacher Ferrari era, so I learned about a lot about it then. Um, but like NASCAR, I watched for a solid decade of my life. I had a black. Uh, oval carpet that I would place in front of the television and play Hot Wheels <laughs> on it to match the race. I, I was reaching levels of like goddamn car nerd kid that just were previously not thought possible. So that one I can come in with no slides and be good for. <laughs> well, in the meantime, our next episode is, of course, the Boston Molasses disaster. Yes. Victoria, well, thank you so much for coming on. By the it's way, it's always my pleasure. Yes. We will have another bonus episode at the end of this month. God damn it, I'll write it. I just don't know what I'm doing yet. NASCAR, no, I, obviously. I, NASCAR. It's, it's yeah, either that yeah. one or it's going to be about Please. NASCAR. For the love of God, let me NASCAR, sign off. I'll do NASCAR. Let NASCAR. me sign off an episode with, with Raise Hell, Praise Dale. Praise Hell, Praise Dale. Dale. Burn down an Applebee's. Hell fucking yes. <laughs> Consecutive Victoria bonus episodes. Fuck it. Why not? Let's yeah, go. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I like talking to y'all, so I'm totally fine. Just bring me in. Hell yeah. All right. Put me in coach. I'm hungry. Yeah, let's get going. Let's <laughs> okay. get going. Okay. Thank right. you for having me. My uh, pleasure. Bye, everybody. You can find me on places on the internet. Fuck it. Yeah, it'll be in the description. It'll be in the description. You can fucking get a Patreon. Thank you. Subscribe more. Bye. Yeah. All right.